If you would please open up your Bibles to the first uh, First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two, and we are going to be picking back up where we left off last week. First Corinthians chapter two, and because we have communion today, I'm just going to take the first eight verses of this chapter. And if you'd like, you can follow along uh, with me as I read those eight verses, and then we'll do one verse at a time as we go through those verses. So no worries. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one. It says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our of the ages for your for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So when we take a look at these eight verses, we're going to find some very powerful information for you and I that pertains to you and I in the church, that it pertained to the church back in Corinth. Because if you remember, we started in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 10. If you remember, and if you take and put your eyes on verse 10 of chapter 1, there was tremendous problems taking place in that church in Corinth. And Paul got uh, notification that there was some division going on. And that was the very first problem that we saw in chapter 1. It was the fact that Paul was addressing here in chapter 1. And it will go all the way through and continue to address uh, division within the church. All the way to chapter 4, verse 21. And we saw that in last week where this division was coming apart within the church body. What was that problem? Well, the problem we saw that he first addressed and he'll continue to address was the, division, the problem of division within the people of the church. There should not be have division within the church. There should be a unity, as we saw the last few weeks. And prior to that, there's a unity because we have the same Lord. We have the same Savior. So that should bring us so diverse that we are. Everything you can imagine in a body of Christ, there's such diversity of people. But there's a unity, there's a closeness because we have the same Savior, the same Lord, the master of our life is the same. And so Paul addressed that very first problem, the division with the people. And he said, what, and he realized, which is not funny at all, the reason why the division was taking place is because of the people. It shouldn't be, but it does. But he said the solution was Jesus himself, the unity, the preaching of the gospel. And we saw last week the message of the cross. 
And as we stay focused on the message of the cross, that which will bring unity to you and I and will cast away anything that would cause division and separation among us. And we realize in the body of Christ, there's unity because we stay focused on serving our master. But we also learn in the body of the family, between a couple, within the family with children in a couple, there can be tremendous division. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, the unifier, you will not have division between a husband and wife or between the, the parents and the children. There will not be division. There'll be unity within the family unit. That's how God has patterned the church and the family is after this unity that should take place. And it's always the message of the cross. And today in chapter 2, we will see Apostle Paul continue to address the division in the church and the solution of unity back into the church by reminding them there is the power of God that does this. You are weak. I am weak. And we'll find that the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of man is weak. It's empty. As many times we find ourselves relying upon other people's opinion or what the people are saying or what the leaders of this country are doing, that is weak. That is feeble. That is so wrong to be turning to that wisdom. The wisdom is the wisdom of God, and that is where we to turn to. Because that is where the power of God will change a person's life and bring unity. So we see right here in the very beginning that he, in verse 1 it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, he came to them. If you remember, Paul came into uh, Corinth in Acts chapter 18. And he came in, and if you remember, we talked about the fact that he met this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who were tent makers by trade. And like Paul, he was too a, tre a, a tent maker. And they kind of bonded, and they got into the ministry together, and they were going around and just sharing the message of the cross and just serving the Lord. And they were, they, by making tents by day, they were able to be able to provide for their families and for their well-being. But then they were out there preaching the message of the gospel of who Jesus Christ is and the changing and what tremendous effect it will have on a person's life to be saved. And so they were, if, if, if he was there for a year and a half establishing that church. Now, if you go back and read Acts chapter 17, where he came from, he was in Athens at that time, if you remember. And if you study that, what took place in Athens, you'll find that it was very, not really much fruit coming from his ministry there. He was out there, he was among the people he was doing, but what we see in Athens, different here in Corinth, is that in Athens he was preaching a watered-down message. He was trying to appease the people of Athens. He was trying to, to try to relate to them and try to bring them in by trying to talk their talk and, and act like they're acting and dress like they dress. Those kinds of that seeker-friendly kind of feel, like let me get, a, get buddies with them kind of a feel. Just to appease them, just to kind of pacify them, to try to get them to build that relationship. But wasn't much Fruit came from that. You don't see a church established there. You don't see people that were saved that we see going on into the, the, the long established ministry kind of a thing. But what we see in chapter 18 of Acts 
when he gets to Corinth, his message changed. What was that one thing that he changed his message on? All the way through the Acts 17, you do not see him mention, really emphasize Jesus Christ at all. At all. Just God. God, God, God. But nothing of Jesus Christ himself. But in Acts 18, I think he learned. I think God really revealed to him, your message is all about Jesus. Not about the culture. Not about your surrounding community. It is about reaching them with the gospel, not the culture coming into the church. And when that happened, you saw churches being established. We saw people being saved. We see fruit coming from the ministry. Well, now he's gone and moved on into the things that God has called him, and there's division that's coming. So he's just going to, in the letters, reminding them to come back to Jesus. Come back to the message of the church, or the cross. Don't allow the, the culture to come into the church. You as the church go out into the culture. Because there's power of God that will change the lives of people. Because there is no other way. The culture will try to tell you there's another way. But it is not. You've all lived it. If you were ever living as heathens like I did through your 20s, you know the things of this world and all the luxuries and the wealth and the business and the titles and all will leave you empty. I've been there. I've lived it. I've done the physical. I've done in great sports and achieved great things in sports. <coughs> Left me empty. I've done great in business and made a lot of money, but it left me empty. I've had the relationships. Thank God, God brought me a wife and now it changed everything for me. A godly woman. But when I was single, it was terrible. I've tried the partying scenes. I've tried it all. I'm telling you. Hindsight is very clear, is it not? but it will leave you empty. It's only the power of God and the message of the cross that will fulfill that emptiness, that thirst that every person who's born has from the beginning of time. Right from the very beginning. And that's what Paul is saying. I did not come to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, but declaring to you the the testimony of God. He came because Paul knew that the message of the cross is what has the power of God to change a person's life. Paul didn't come to Corinth to, to glorify himself or to start a, some religious fan club so that he could have a website and a Facebook and music and everything and his name plastered everywhere out throughout the world of how great of a, uh, of a ministry he has and how come see me and you can pay to come see me and do all these kinds of things that you see today. He didn't looking for a fan club. He didn't look to see who could have the most uh, Facebook friends and everything else and how much money he could be asked to go to all these different conferences to be the headliners he came to share the truth of God of who Jesus Christ and what he did for him for that people he simply declared God's word and in the power of the spirit it changed lives Paul just wanted to reach sinners and wanted them to understand if you put your trust in Jesus Christ you will be saved for eternity simple message 
but powerful message. And we see right here in these just those these few verses that Paul wanted to make sure they understand something very clearly. I didn't come to you with some excellence of speech. I have, he, if you remember, he was very, very intellect. One of the best educations you can get in that time. He was the religious leader of religious leaders, part of the Sadducees, the Supreme Court of the religious Jewish faith. He had all the pedigree, all of the resume to prove you should come and listen to me. My resume is spotless in the religious world. But he says, I came to you not with excellence of speech. The word here, excellence, in the original word is hyperohi, which is only seen twice in the scripture, which means superiority or authority or rising above. The word that speech here is the word logos, which means the word. So he says, I didn't come here with a word or the ability to have superiority over you and my ability to speak to you. I didn't come to put myself above you or to rise above you or have authority over you. I've come simply humbly to teach you the truths of God. Not something with some persuasive, as we will see. Paul came preaching the word of God. He didn't come thinking he is superior. But he says, I came to declare to you the testimony of God. He didn't come as a philosopher. Let me give you my philosophy of the day. Let me give you my words of wisdom, all my little cliches and clever wordings so that you can think about all the little fun things that I say and entertainment of things I've said. He didn't come as a salesman. Let me sell you on this. You've got to buy today. Give your life today. Buy today. It may be late. You may not be, you might not be able to have it after today. He didn't come as a salesman. He came as a witness of a testimony of what God's power did in his own personal life. Remember, Paul's the guy who was this religious leader watching these people called the way these religious people who were following this guy named Jesus Christ, and people were turning to Jesus, they were being healed, and people raised from the dead, and all these things were going on. He could have said, oh my gosh, what is God? This must be the Messiah. He had the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. Instead, he wanted to keep his religious ways. So instead of going with them and understanding the truth, Paul became a persecutor of Christians, having them killed, throw them in jail. But you know the story. He's on the road to Damascus, riding his little high horse, trying to go throw more Christians in the church. And he met Jesus right there on the road to Damascus. His life was changed in an instant. And he went from a hater of Christians to a lover of Jesus Christ. And just like that. And look what God has done in his life. And he's sitting here. I'm not coming with excellent speech, people. I could. If you go back and you read Acts chapter 26, his, 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 his sermon to Agrippa, you want to see a persuasive example of preaching? Unbelievable. Oh, he had the abilities. But he just humbly came to this, to Corinth, to just to simply preach the truth of what God had done in his own life. And the power of God changed those people's lives there. He says, I didn't come to persuade or 
pithos is, a, is, is the original word here. And you only see this word uh, uh, persuasive once used in this scripture. Only once here. And it means to means clever or smooth talk or to manipulate or to use fancy words to bring people around to your thinking. There are people out there like that, you know. They have the ability to sway you with their intellect or sway with you with their fancy words or their cleverness. of, And they try to sway you to get you to think their way so you will follow them. Be very careful of people who want you to follow them versus follow Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the scripture warns us to stay away from those people, to avoid them. But Paul was certainly a man who could reason, yes. Yes, he could persuade and debate with you the best of them. But he didn't use that. He says, I've determined here to put the emphasis on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul was an ambassador. He wasn't a salesman. He wasn't trying to sell you anything. He just wanted to let you know there is a cure to your disease called sin in your life. He knew the internal life versus the path you're on going to eternal hell. I know there's a path to heaven, not to get off the path of hell. I have the solution. I'm just going to share it with you out of love. Paul understood he was not catering to what his audience wanted. He already knew, we already studied there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, that he already knew the Jews wanted signs. Show us miraculous signs. He knew the Greeks was all about wisdom. Show us this philosophy and this wisdom. That's what we were here to listen to. That's what tickles our ear. But Paul understood that. He says, I came not to give you what you want because what you want is not what God wants you to hear. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified because that is where the power of God, that is in the message of the gospel because it's not about the message of what people can bring you or even the messenger. It's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. So many times people come to church or they're listening to teaching. Oh, you should listen to that message. Oh, you've got to listen to this messenger. Oh, he's the best pastor teacher. Oh, unbelievable. You got, you just, it's almost like a little following. You must have to, you have to listen to him all the time. Just be very careful because the scripture says it's you're looking for and you want to hear about Jesus Christ and him crucified. You want to hear the word of God. That is what you're following. Not a particular method of messaging. He's so entertaining. He's so clever with his words and he paces back and forth and he has, he's so eloquent. No, if you're wrapped up into the message, you're wrong. If you're following a particular man or woman, you're wrong. You're to follow and look for Jesus Christ through the word of God. That is right. Are you with me? Are you okay? I'm bringing it down. I had only a couple, couple two cups of coffee. I think I'm, I'm good here. I'm good. So, so we know we, he was looking to, looking to do persuasive. So he wasn't looking, as we see, to 
that the power of God does not involve or revolve around a man. We know this. It's not to be. And the fact that the power of God does not revolve around the speech of man. And we see that in verse 1 and verse 4. It doesn't revolve around the speech of man. I'll make that clear. That's not where the power comes from. And then he also mentions here, also in verse 1 and part of verse 4, that the, that the power of God does not revolve in the smarts of man. The wisdom of man, the, 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 the word wisdom here is Sophia, which means an in, intelligence or smarts of a man or wisdom of a man or wisdom of world. It doesn't revolve around that. And that's what Paul's saying. I didn't come because and take all my intellect and everything I've been trained in and try to sway you and persuade you and have you follow me. I'm just giving you the simple message of the gospel. And the power of God will change your heart by just trusting in that. Paul even addressed back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, he says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribes? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God been foolish, made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Very simple. I know it's foolishness, but I'm going to still preach it. Because through that, the power of God is going to touch your life and you will be saved. The message of the cross is simple. But I like the fact that it's simple because I'm not a very smart kind of guy. I'm not the, probably the sharpest of the pack of pencils out there. But it doesn't matter if I'm not highly intelligent or clever and persuasive and debater out there that I can't memorize from cover to cover because it's not in me that does the work. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the message of the, of the cross, the power of God. That's what changes your life and my life. Not me. Oh, please don't follow me. Please don't follow another man who teaches the word because that's not where the power is. The power is in the truth of God, the word of God. But I like the fact that the power is not based on the intellect, the smarts of man, or the wisdom or cleverness of man. Because the message of the cross is simple. A simple message. God loves you. Do you know God loves you so much? That he was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you? That he was willing to take the penalty of your sins upon him? So that you could be saved? Do you realize the simplicity of that? That not only that he would die for you, but he would, he would take all your sins and he would forgive those sins and he would forget those sins in your life. Wiping your sin slate clean. So that you could be born again. That you could have a new life. That you could start over. And then he, because of that, he has given us eternal life through Christ. That you're going to heaven. Do you trust in the message of Jesus Christ? Because if you do, then you're a free man, you're a free woman. You have an eternally an internal hope knowing that you've been forgiven 
you can just know for a fact without a doubt that when Jesus returns, he's going to take you home and all the glory that goes with it. It's an amazing, simple message. Will you trust him? Will you put your faith in that message that he's given us? God has made it easy, so simple. We just need to believe in by faith alone in Christ alone. Paul doesn't rely on his intellect. He doesn't rely on his, his skill sets and his background or anything else. He, he didn't put confidence in himself. We're not to put confidence in ourselves. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. So we're not, God, the power of God does not revolve around the, 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 the speech of man. It doesn't revolve around the smarts of man. And he also, Paul says, it doesn't revolve around the strength of man. Verse 3. Because Paul says, when I came to you, I came to you in weakness. I came to you in fear. I came to you in much trembling. Which means he did not have any confidence in what he was about to do. He didn't stand there in front of them saying, because I have a name for myself. Just because I have this teaching skill set just because of my pedigree and my name or my background or my parents name or the wealth that I have or the position and the power I don't get to stand in front and say because I have stars you're going to listen to me he stands and he stood in front of them fearful trembling because he understood the power of God is he kept him humble and he humbly just shared the truth with the people and that is all that was going to do and work within a person's life is because God was doing the work and not him. And we are to have no self-confidence in that as well. We are to humbly share the truth with others and allow the power of God to do the work in them. Because it does not rely upon the strength of man. And Paul recognized that. Now don't get me wrong. There's a challenge in the church today. There's divisions in the church today because their philosophy, their understanding, they've allowed the culture to come into the church. And how they've done that is they trust in, in the strength of man. What they've done is they've many churches they emphasize the presentation or the presenter. And they emphasize hype and hoopla, lighting and smoke and mirrors and lighting and all these things to make it and feel and create this atmosphere. It's just strength of men. You notice we don't have smoke machines going off. You notice we don't have the blue and purple lighting and, and strobe lights and multiple screen TVs to give you the visuals while the music's going on so you're like you're, you're back in the, the Stone Age. Not that I was in the Stone Age. <laughs> For those old enough, you understood what that meant. But so many churches rely upon the strength of man today to sway you and I, the people, to come in through these gimmicks of the strength of man. We're going to make it entertaining. But these are just signs of a fallen away from the word of God. They're looking to draw people in and get them saved this way. And they rationalize it in their minds. But it's just the work of the flesh. 
the strength of man. It's not based on the power of God doing the work in the people's lives. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's how powerful the word of God is. So anyone who's not teaching the word of God, or if you're not being led back to the word of God, there's no power. And if you're blessed and God is using you in the lives of other people around you, your family members or your neighbors or your co-workers, please share just the word of God. Stop talking. And don't point them to some special preacher or some special presentation. The power is in the word of God. And if you're saved, he's already given you that power. Just allow him to work through your life. And watch people that you share the word of God with. Their lives will be changed for eternity. But let God do that work through you. Because it has nothing to do with you and I. It's just a simple teaching of what the Bible says and preaching the word of God which brings unity to the body of Christ and reaches the lost. And Paul understood that. And that's why he's writing back to this church to remind them. You're relying on your strength. You're relying on your smarts. You're relying on, on just so many things that are just, is just not of God any longer. And you've got to stop it because it's not going to help if you just use your speech, man. You have to use the word of God, man. And let him do the work. Then he continues. Even in verse 2, he says, For I determined to not, to, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's all about the person of Christ. It's all about him crucified. And he lives today involved in your life in every moment, every time in your life. And he's looking, he's preparing a place for you to, to receive you into heaven. Why would you not want to focus daily on, on Jesus himself? And if it's, it's not only the person of Christ, but it's also the power of the spirit that does the changing. The, the word um, demonstration means proof. Let the spirit of God prove what he's doing in your life. The spirit of God is doing a tremendous work in your life. Let people see what he's doing in your life. Don't hide your, your life under a basket. Let your light shine. You know why? Because I know if I would not be standing here today, if it wasn't for some brothers who was allowing me, this, this, this little prideful 20-year-old man, to get around them, to ask some stupid questions, and to annoy them, and they were patiently allowing me to see in their life what God would, had done in their life. And I'm like, wow. If God did it in their life, would he do it in my life? And it gave me enough hope to just keep showing up regardless of how I felt. And from there, God just kept working in my life as I studied the word and heard the word. In the beginning, I didn't even know what the, I've never, in my whole life, I never even touched a Bible. I didn't come from a Bible Christian type family. So when they said, oh, Corey, open up the book of, of Luke. Who's Luke? You know, like, 
Which guy in the, in the, in the room is Luke? I, I mean, I didn't know what that meant. Oh, no, the book of Luke. I'm sitting there. If such people going to people were like flipping right to the page I'm like how did they know that you know but I was smart enough to know there's a little index at the beginning of the bible and I put my little tabs if you notice I have tabs and I put that little tab right there and I'd sit there and I'd open my little tab see where on the index page 642 turn to 642 and start flipping as fast as I can because I didn't even know what the address meant what do you mean, Luke chapter 2, verse 32? I didn't know what that meant. But the grace of God, men just came alongside me and just helped me and encouraged me. And eventually, after you open that Bible, that book up, day after day after day, it becomes to a point where, were you here that one Sunday, all of a sudden I went like this, and I just shoot. And it opened right up because you just, you know your Bible. You just know where it's at. You've been in it. You know what you see it. You, you can visualize where it is in the page when someone asks you. You may not remember how to say it verse by verse, but you know it's right there, the truth of God. Because you want that to be on your heart so bad so that you could share it with others who are in need. But Paul says, I, I determined not to know anything. He knew so much. But he humbly came and acted. I'm coming just so fresh and so simple with a simple message of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. But he says, yes, it's about the person of Christ. Yes, it's about the power of God, the spirit of God working in a person's life. And the results will be what? Well, we see here in verse 5 that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we see three things that should come out of here as we finish up these verses. Is we're going to see the, our faith, our maturity, and our glory coming about as a, as a believer. He says, our faith, if you trust in the power of God, not the wisdom of men, you're going to see your faith become so solid, so so. So firm, so unshakable in your Christian walk. So many times we see faith as the measurement of faith. Oh, I gotta have a great faith. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, just, I have such little faith. But it's not so much the amount of faith, it is about the object of our faith. How much do you believe that Jesus Christ is your? Savior, yes, oh, I want that. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Oh, I'll embrace him as my Savior. But then we start the conversation, but is he your master, your Lord? Aha. Uh -huh. That's where the determination of where your faith is. Because will you surrender your entire life to the creator of the universe. The one who created you in, the, in your mother's womb. All your ambitions of this world, all your goals, all of your visions of what you want in the next five to 10 years, 20 years. Everything you want personally. Are you willing to turn that over to your Lord, your master. 
You say it, but do you live it? Oh, that is where all of us sit there and, oh, Lord, I need more faith. Oh, Lord, I know your promises tell me you're going to provide a roof over my head and the food on the table and the clothes on my back. Your word says you said you're going to provide that. But you don't see it. You have no job. You have no savings. You have nothing. You're about to be evicted. And you're going to do you trust that your master's in control of your life? Where is your faith? Well, the word of God says the power of God is going to come through for you because you're a child of his. And he is going to take care of his child. Oh, we can have. Don't, don't get me wrong. Matthew 6.30. Oh, Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Matthew 8.10. The centurion, Jesus turned and said to the centurion, your faith is so great. I, so greater than anyone in Israel. Luke 17.5. The apostles said to the Lord, oh, increase our faith. They recognize how, how weak they are. Luke 17, 6, the Lord said, if you have faith as, as a mustard seed. So it's not about the size. The mustard seed is the smallest seed now known to man. So it's not about the size of it. It is who you are putting your trust in, your faith in. And is it 100% Jesus? Or is it 90% Jesus? It's only Jesus when I don't have control anymore. That's what I find myself sometimes. Oh, I'm, I trust in the Lord. But this little instance, oh, I, I'll figure it out. It's no big deal. I'll take care of it. And then I realize, oh, I'm not going to take care of it. Oh, no, it's not coming together. Oh, this is, <laughs> things are getting spiraling out of bat. This is getting really bad here. Then I'll go, Jesus, help. And he's saying, start with me first. Start with my wisdom my strength, my direction. And watch how smoothly it would have gone right from the very beginning. Not to say we're not going to have challenges. Not to say we won't have sickness. Not to say we're not going to have testings. But it's only a test. Only a t it's a test, only a test. To refine us and to mold us and to shape us. To trust in him, our faith, more. To build that up. Then he also says in verse 6, however, we, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, not the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. So he says, not only do be careful, don't focus on me, the fact that the, our faith is really on Jesus Christ. We have, he has given us the measure of faith. He is our author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. He is, for by grace, has given and has saved us through faith, not, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8. It is, the faith is coming from God, and he's going to strengthen you. But then when that happens, our maturity is going to take place based on the the power of God, the wisdom of God, the, the word of God, that is where you're going to mature from. So if you're a Christian today, but you feel like you're still just getting a grip and you're still, things just don't seem like they're complete yet. Be patient. God is going to mature you. Be in the word, be in fellowship, and he's going to use that to mature you in your faith. Don't trust in the wisdom of this age. Don't trust in what the world's teaching you. 
Don't trust in the rulers of this age. Don't, tr don't trust in demonic forces. All of them are looking to destroy your life. Only the, only the Lord is looking to lift you up and to, to dust you off and clean you up and to set you on high. The world and the demonic forces want to kill you and destroy you. That's all they can do. That's all they know. So don't be fooled by the false promises of this world that's constantly dangling in front of us today. Follow this program and you will get. If you will just call today. I know you're thirsty. You need a bigger house. You need a faster car. You need a younger spouse. The trickery of the enemy will do whatever he can do to try to destroy you, man. But you don't listen to those voices. Because when those voices come in, it will draw you away from the truths of God. That's why you know. You ever see the, oh, I'm dating myself again here, little ready, ready battery, ever ready battery commercial? You had a little battery man on one side and the other battery man, the devil on the other side. And it was like, okay, which, one's, which one are you going to listen to? This one's speaking in this ear about, oh, you need to, you know, you know this is the, what you need to listen to. And then you have the other one on the other side saying, no, don't go that way. And the little devil with the, you know, the horns on. Very simple, my brothers and sisters. If you got things going in your head right now, decisions you have to make, choices you're looking to make, and one choice draws you to Jesus, draws you to the truth of God, or even if you're a non-believer sitting here today, and draws you to a godly man or a godly woman for help, then you know that is of God. But if your voice in your head is telling you you need to go do something other than what God says, you know it's from the enemy. You know it's from the devil. It's very simple. It's not complicated. But it still comes down to you and I making the right choice. Right? It's about a choice. You have free will. God's given you free will. He didn't create robots. He didn't create, you know, he's not lording over you and going to smack you. That's not our God. God is loving you. He's encouraging you, trying to bring people in your life to encourage you. You just still have to make the decision. That's why he says, don't, don't focus on the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, because they're coming to nothing. Do you realize everything in this world is going to burn? Do you realize the, the, the devil and all his demons, all the fallen angels, are going to be locked up in eternity to the lake of the, uh, in, in, in the abyss? So don't listen to those voices. Don't follow those voices. Don't follow the world. Listen to the word of God. Listen to him. He's, he's living and breathing. He wants to speak to you through the word of God. And that is the voice you listen to. 
So not only will he deepen your faith, encourage your faith, he will bring in and secure that faith, but he also gives you the increased maturity as a Christian because in Colossians 1.28, we are perfect in Christ. Hebrews 12.23, we are made perfect. Our maturity status is by the power of God. Do you realize when you give your life to Christ, you're made perfect, you're made complete, you have everything that you need to, for eternity? Do you realize that he's made you complete in him? But also glory. He has ordained us in our glory before the ages. Look at verses 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. For, for our glory. Get the past tense. Before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Did you catch that? The mystery, the gospel message of Jesus Christ was hidden, but then now revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. And the fact that this brings clarity to Revelations chapter 13, verse 8, where it says Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you realize that he had a plan for your life and my life to come to this earth to pay for your penalty of your sins? He would be the lamb that would be slain before you were even born. He has it all figured out. He has a tremendous plan all before the ages of time. Will you put your trust in the power of God? Because he has already given you the glory. Romans 8 30 says, moreover, whoever he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, he is also glorified. Does that give you the peace, the encouragement, the exhortation here is to encourage you in your walk, in your faith, to know that you can, we can walk in unity in Christ? That we can serve him knowing that he's in complete control of your life if you've turned your life over to him? I mean, trust me, it's not a promise for those who haven't turned their life over to Christ. You do know that. That doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan for you. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to take over your life and roll out a beautiful life for you. But it's your choice. If you haven't made a decision for, for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day you should do that. While you still live. Because once you've died, and once you've left this earth, it is too late. You can't give your life to Christ after that. And that's really the big question for you and I today. Have you received the power of God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because that's what it all hinders around about this power of God. Is when you accept him and what he has done, then the power of God is there for you to do a work in and through your life. If you would just let him. Praise the God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.